It's Thursday, October 1st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, it was a game unlike anything we've ever seen on Wednesday night at Progressive Field, wild card game two, back and forth all night long. The Indians uh, jumped out to a lead, surrendered that lead in dramatic fashion, uh, tied the score again, and then heading into the ninth inning, uh, basically blew the game uh, with closer Brad Hand. And the New York Yankees are advancing to the American League Division Series, not the Cleveland Indians. The Indian season ends uh, sort of uh, in a, with a whimper and not with a, uh, uh, you know, with a, a sort of flair there. Um, what were your impressions from that four-hour and 50-minute marathon uh, at Progressive Field last night? It was a long, long game, Joe. And, um, you know, I was amazed that, uh, you know, the best, one of the best pitching teams in, in all of baseball for 60 games, for the 60-game sprint, you know, walked 12 batters and um, allowed 10 hits. Uh, they just seemed to run away. The pitchers got scared to me, and they ran away from the strike zone. I don't know if it started with Bieber getting, you know, hammered in game one, and it kind of, you know, influenced the rest of the staff. But, you know, they just they just didn't throw enough strikes. And, and uh, but, you know, God love the Indians. I mean, they came back. That offense came back, and Jose Ramirez, like, really just carried them until, you know, Jordan Luplo got a big hit. And, uh, and uh, uh and then, you know, Cesar Hernandez puts him ahead nine to eight in the eighth inning. And you think, okay, you know, there's going to be a game three. Uh, you know, they're going to, you know, they got Brad Hand 16 for 16 in save situations in the ninth. And then it just, it just got worse. It didn't get better. It got worse. All right. Uh, we'll get to Hand and we'll touch on, you know, Francisco Lindor sort of disappearing uh, throughout the, the two games there. But uh, you mentioned Jose Ramirez. Uh, he got hot. In, in the last, you know, sort of month of the season there, carried the Indians offensively. Uh, he just he, – he, he really was the, the spark plug there uh, offensively throughout the, the, the two games, as well as Josh Naylor, uh, uh, you know, a guy they didn't really expect to, to come in and have the kind of two games that he did in the postseason. Uh, but just the, those two guys carried the club offensively uh, in, in the two games against the Yankees. Yeah, and it was nice to see Ramirez. You know, he had been in his two previous postseason uh, series. He was two for 32, you know, just in a terrible slump with uh, against the Yankees and, and uh, Houston. And, uh, you know, he came roaring back uh, to this time. You know, th all three of his hits were doubles. He drove in three runs last night. Um, just, uh, you know, I thought, you know, I thought maybe there, there was some question about his MVP candidacy, you know, because he came on kind of late in, in uh, September. But I think he, you know, and, and you don't vote for postseason appearances, obviously. You vote right. for all those votes. Were, all those votes were submitted before any of the, uh, the playoff games happened. So, yeah, but this kind of legitimized that, I thought, what he did you know, late in throughout September. I mean, the last, his last 14 hits have all been for extra bases. That's 14, amazing. 14, I mean, 10 doubles, four home runs. I mean. Uh, That'll shoot your OPS up pretty high, won't it? Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just a great performance. And, 
you know, and Naylor, who, who, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> I, I, I still don't understand. I still don't know who he is. Is, is he a great hitter? Is he a, the guy that kind of, you know, went under the radar for after the, the trade for, uh, from San Diego? Or is he this guy, the guy that kind of came alive under the bright lights of the postseason? Yeah, it almost feels like he was a throw-in in the trade. Uh, you know, it, it, one of their, their surplus outfielders that they, they threw in from San Diego uh, with really the, the prospects being the, the big haul from that, that Clevenger deal. But Naylor comes on and he does something nobody's ever done in the history of the Major League postseason. His, his first five at-bats were, uh, were all hits. And, 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 you know, most of those were extra base hits. He had two doubles, three, three doubles, something three like that. Three doubles and a home run. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. Four extra just, base uh, hits out of five hits, yeah. Just uh, stunning. Stunning performance. Well, and that, you know, that bodes well, I guess, for Naylor heading into the offseason and into, uh, you know, spring training for next year. Uh, maybe he locks down that left field spot and he's the, he's the man going into next season uh, in left field. That certainly complicates things for guys like Bradley Zimmer and, and, uh, and, and Jake Bowers if we, if we ever get to that point. But again, that's, that's way off in the, in the distance. I uh, want to focus on uh, two decisions made by acting manager Sandy Alomar Jr. Uh, one of them paid off, uh, one of them did not. Uh, early in the game, in the fourth inning, after the, I guess, technically the second rain delay, because the, the first rain delay happened before the game even started. Uh, but after the, the second 45-minute rain delay, uh, Carlos Carrasco was good enough to go back out there, the starting pitcher. He had uh, it looked pretty solid early in the game. He had, uh, you know, a couple of strikeouts and, and was hitting his spots. Uh, after the rain delay, Carlos Carrasco goes back out there, uh, he, he can't find it, and he uh, starts while he walks, walks one, gives up a hit, and then uh, in the fourth inning, Sandy Alomar gives him the early hook and goes to James Karinczak, uh in a spot, and, and it did not work out well. Yeah, I, and I understand what, what Sandy was doing, what Alomar was doing. He was, you know, taking a, a page from T uh, Tito Francona's uh, playbook, you know, in, in a tight spot, in an elimination game, you know, you don't you wait to use your best clothes or a best, you know, late inning guy uh, till, till the eighth or ninth inning because the game could be over by then. So he brought in Karinczak, you know, the bases were loaded, no outs. He needed strikeouts. Uh, you know, it was a, uh, you know, kind of a Andrew Miller type move. Uh, but Karinczak is a rookie. Let's make everyone let, – let's remind everybody of that. He's not Andrew Miller who had been through everything, everything a pitcher could go through when, when the Indians started using him like that in 2016 in the stretch run and, and the World Series. And, you know, I, I just thought it was a tough, tough spot to put a, a rookie in. Bases loaded, elimination game, nobody out. And, you know, a grand slam wasn't predictable – <clears throat> but disaster was, I thought, you know, <laughs> beginning was. Yeah, and it it kind of hurts just a little bit more that it was Gio Urshela that, that hit that bomb. Uh, it, it, it looked like he knew what was coming, man, and he hit that ball a mile. And Gio Urshela, a guy who the Indians uh, basically just let walk away, they, they designated, for, uh, designated him for assignment. They kept Eric Gonzalez over Gio Urshela uh, in that decision. I believe back in 2018. Uh, and since then he's gone on to have major success with the Yankees. Uh, he made a play later on in the game 
that basically saved the game for, for the Yankees, a, a diving stop at third base, and from his rear end started a double play on Carlos Santana. Uh, that really saved uh, two runs for the Yankees, and th those two runs turned out to be big uh, in, in, in the ninth inning, as, as we'll get to. But uh, the other decision that I want to talk about uh, Sandy Alomar making uh, came in the seventh inning when you've got the aforementioned Josh Naylor, who's uh, you know ostensibly your hottest hitter right now at the uh, you know due up, and you've got Zach Britton on the mound, and Zach Britton is struggling. He's on fumes. Uh, Sandy Alomar pulls the trigger and goes for Jordan Luplo to face the lefty, forcing Aaron Boone to make the switch to uh, Jonathan Luizaga. And it worked out for Sandy Alomar probably better than anybody could have possibly predicted. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sandy was said uh, after the game that he liked the right-on-right -right matchup uh, uh, with Luplo better than the left-on-left -left matchup between uh, Naylor and Britton. And uh, – it, it worked. It worked. Uh, you know, uh, Luplo hits a double off the center field wall, two-run double, and uh, and that uh, ties it up. Or yeah, that no, or did that give him the lead? It, it tied the game. It tied the it game. It tied the game at eight-eight. Yeah, right. So uh, it worked. Um, and uh, at the time, you know, everyone's wondering what what is going on here. You're taking your best hitter out of the lineup, your hottest hitter out of the lineup, and but you know, Luplo came off the bench and got a huge, huge hit. Right. Yeah. I, I think the, what was amusing to me was to watch the reaction, not just of, uh, you know, Matt Beskurgeon and uh, Alex Rodriguez on the broadcast, but on Twitter, the, the, the vitriol was immediate. Now, what is Alomar doing? He's crazy. You're not pinch hitting for Naylor here. Uh, people were saying, this is or mark this down. This is the dumbest move I've ever seen. And then, Two minutes later, they're like, oh, my God, Sandy Alomar, you're a genius. You're a genius. The internet, the internet owed Sandy Alomar an apology <laughs> ten times uh, in, in the space of that, uh, that two minutes there. Uh, the life of a manager. That's, uh... <laughs> but, but really, uh, you know, Sandy was, was pretty upfront. He, he said he's, the numbers basically dictated there. I like the, the right on right better than I like the left on left. And, and Jordan Luplo made it, made it stand up for him. Yeah. That, and, uh, you know, um, you know, I don't think we give managers who, no matter who they are enough credit, you know, these guys, you know, they live and breathe baseball. That's all they think about. So, you know, if you, if you're on the outside looking in and you're questioning a move, well, you better have your facts lined up behind, just out, just past the, just past the original question because they've always got a reason, you know, numbers to back them up or, or, you know, it's not just a gut feel all the time. These right, guys, right. you know, the, what you think Mike Sarbaugh's whispering in his ear, Sandy's ear the whole game. He's got the pitching coach talking to him. There's a lot of information available to him. So, you know, it, it worked out. It, it was a strange move granted uh, from the outside looking in, but you know, from Sandy's point of view, it made sense. Yeah, you've got to leave the second guessing to all the baseball writers who do that afterwards, after the game, in the post-game questions, because that's uh, <laughs> that's what we're famous for, right? Is uh, it, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess that that brings us to uh, the ninth inning with Brad Hand. Here's a guy who uh, had been 16 for 16 in save opportunities this year, led the major leagues, 
and the Indians with a one-run lead in the bottom of the ninth hand him the ball and say, get us to game three. And he starts by walking the first guy he faces. And then uh, a series of unfortunate events, a uh, couple of weird infield hits, uh, a seven bouncer up the middle off of uh, DJ LeMahieu's bat. And, and all of a sudden uh, the Indians are going to the bottom of the ninth, looking at a one run deficit. Uh, it couldn't have gone any worse for Brad hand at any worse of a time. Yeah. I mean, and, when a closer walks the first guy in the ninth inning, up when he has a lead, when he's pitching with the lead, that is always a, a bad sign. And that's exactly what happened when, when, he, when he walked, uh, um, you know, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Then he, you know, leaves a pitch up to Urshela. He gets a, he gets a single. Then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Torres – bounces a ball out, out of hand's glove. He can't, you know, he's going back. He kind of slips on the backside of the mound. He can't, it, it hits in and out of his glove. He strikes out, you know, Gardner. Then, uh, you know, Sanchez hits the sacrifice fly to tie it up. And like you said, and he was ahead of LeMay who, you know, oh two when he gives up the go-ahead single. The go -ahead right. Single. I think that was the frustrating part was that in, in all of those at-bats, he had a chance to get out of the at-bat. Uh, you know, he was ahead in the count. He was, he had opportunities to, to finish batters off and yet just couldn't finish them off. He, he, he was either unable or unwilling to challenge these guys. And, and it, it, maybe he, he necessarily lost his, his medal at the, uh, at, at the worst time. Is that the last chance that we're going to see Brad Hand in a closing situation for the Indians, not just because of performance, but because of his contract situation? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, th that is a million dollar. Well, it's, it's a $8 million question. question. Yeah, it's a $10 million question. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think, um, you know, we're not, and Hand isn't the only guy that we're asking that question about. But right now, yeah, I think it, there's a good chance that they don't pick up his option. They've got, you know, Karen Check, you know, making a lot younger and a lot, he's making a lot less money. And, and they've got Class A if, if he comes back you know, and, and is uh, free of uh, st uh, steroids. Oh, I mean, uh, he, yeah, he, he better come back. That's, uh, that, if not, then you're talking about basically just having given away Corey Kluber and, you know, to a degree, Mike Levenger over the last couple of years for, yeah. for no return. So, yeah, uh, uh, and we'd be remiss if we did not mention uh, the, the continued lack of, I guess, uh, solid defense. Uh, played by uh, Delight, your favorite, uh, you know, sort of guy, guy to pick on over the last couple of weeks here. Delano DeShields just makes you shake your head out there in center field. He'll come up with a, a running diving catch or a crash into a wall and a catch. But then on the simplest of, of plays, a catch, a ball off the bat of Aaron Hicks with a 99% catch probability, according to StatCast. Uh, instead of breaking back, DeShields breaks in, slips down, and all of a sudden, it's a, a triple over his head. Yeah, he, he can't be on this team next year, Joe. I mean, uh, you need stability in center field. I mean, the Indians have always had great center fielders. You cannot run this guy out there. Like, you, he, I mean, he's too inconsistent. I like the guy. He's a nice guy. But, I mean, come on. And then he makes an error in the ninth inning as well that, that, could, have allowed, that could have led to a bigger inning. Right. So, I mean, you need – I don't know what happened to Mercado. I liked, I loved the way Mercado played center field last year. But he stopped he got, hitting. 
Yeah. Yeah. He stopped hitting and it got the whole season got into his head and he just disappeared, but they need to find a center fielder. I mean, there's, there's gotta be a million center fielders out there that can catch a baseball. Can't, I well, mean, that's not hard to find. Is and, it? and I'm not even worried about the, the catching aspect. Uh, you saw late in the season and in the playoffs as well, uh, teams would just automatically take bases on his yeah, arm. He can't, he, he can't throw. He can't he's, make he, a throw. So. He's Coco Crisp. He's got a Coco Crisp arm. There so, you I go. mean, you've got to I – mean, And, and just, I don't want it to sound like, you know, we're, we're blaming or harping on, on DeShields. It's just uh, the facts are he's, he's, he, he did not live up to whatever billing uh, defensively that he had when the trade was, was first announced. The Indians thought they were getting, a, you know, a, a, not a gold glove caliber, but, a, you know, a solid defensive center fielder, and that's not what they got. So. No, and, and – you know, whoever the, the scout who told them that he was a good defensive center fielder, I, I don't know, or the, <laughs> the, the statistics that said, you know, the sabermetrics that said he can go get the ball, or they better, uh, they better like uh, get recalibrate the machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, hey, uh, we did ask our subtexters, our subscribers, uh, their opinions, their thoughts following uh, the game two loss. Uh, again, if you want to get in on subtext, uh, we're in the off season now, I guess, Wednesday. And the best way to know uh, who's signing, who's leaving, who's being traded, who's coming back, who's not, uh, the first indication that we get, we trade that or we share that information with you, uh, our subscribers on subtext. It's $3.99 a month, and it's the best way to get your uh, information here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, so go ahead to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Uh, that's the best way to sign up or send uh, myself or Hoinsey a text at 216-208-4346. Uh, that's the number to, to text and, and join up. Uh, here are some of the thoughts from our loyal subscribers on t subtext. Uh, this is from the 330 area code. Typical Cleveland, uh, <laughs> typical Cleveland choke job. I guess is the first thing. So right out of the bat, uh, we'll, uh, uh, did you see the guys uh, who got arrested for climbing over the fence and trying to watch the, uh, the game? I, I, I just saw the pictures of it. I had no idea that was going on. How uh, could they climb? That's a big fence to climb over, man. I, I guess I, I, somebody scaled the fence and two guys got, <laughs> got carried out of there in handcuffs. So they bring in, they bring a ladder or something. And <laughs> I, I have no idea. Hoinsey. It was, uh, We'll, we'll find out more details, I guess. But they, the broadcast showed the guys uh, being led uh, behind the, the bleachers in handcuffs as they were trying to show the, the guy beating a drum out on uh, Eagle Avenue. Uh, he was actually outside the, the fence legally. The, the, the guys weren't. So Was that John, John Adams' uh, no, son? It, brother? It, <laughs> it, was, it was John Adams' proxy, I guess. Uh, here's another one. Highlights were few. Naylor, Ramirez, Han uh, Hernandez. Lowlights were many. Santana, Bieber, Lindor, and Hand were the biggest disappointments for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, Joe, you look at uh, I, I, you look at the middle, the, our four, the Indians' fourth and fifth hitters, Santana and uh, uh, Reyes, 0 for 17 in the two games, and uh, eight eight strikeouts uh, wow. between them. I mean, you're not going to win like that. You know, you, no. you got to get some kind of production. I know. Santana, you know, Rochelle robbed the hit of him. Maybe would have been the hero if, if Rochelle doesn't make that play in the eighth inning and, and robs him there. But, 
still. I mean, you can't, it's, it's hard to win like that. It's just when the, when your bet, two best hitters are, or two of your best hitters aren't, aren't producing. Okay. Here's another comment. Uh, this one from the 216 area code. We lost to a better team that beat us in every area. It was an epic game, but we got outplayed. Uh, one. Yeah, that's it, it outplayed in, in, in pretty much every area. Uh, is it time for Hand to go? When is his contract up? I am done. Uh, we touched on that earlier. Brad Hand has a an option year for the Indians to pick up. I think it's about a $10 million option with a – it might be a – an eight million dollar option with a two year, uh, two million buyout, something like that. Uh, there's a there is a buyout there, but uh, you know, hard to see the Indians uh, spending that much money on on Brad Handy uh, in, in the de- in his declining years. It looks like as a, as a closer. But you know, th- that's the life of a closer too, Joe. You're you're right. only as good as your last close at last save. But you know, I mean, it, it's it's hard to. I mean, okay, he blew a save, you know, at the biggest time of the year. But you can't forget the sixteen saves. He did, you know, record, and maybe the Indians aren't even there if he doesn't get those. So, you know, it's you can't, you can't, you got to look at the big picture, especially where closers are concerned. Uh, this from Hank in South Carolina. He said his highlights include coming fa- coming back from the dead uh, during the last couple of weeks, even before the playoffs. Uh, the definite lowlights were the facts, the fact that we're going to lose Frankie and Carlos, and I don't see any big hitters coming up. Also. Uh, uh, he, he says he's looking forward to continuing uh, hearing updates from us during the season. Uh, so this is a, uh, a subtext subscriber who likes, likes getting those updates right. fed to him. Uh, so Hank in South Carolina, we will, uh, we'll keep it up throughout the off season for you. Uh, we appreciate it too. Yeah, we, we really do. And yeah, tell guys like you, Hank, tell your friends, all of your yeah, Indians tell fans, your friends, uh, friends to subscribe to subtext, to make our, uh, make our bosses happy. All right, Hoinsey, uh, you know, just spinning forward, we, uh, we did talk to Francisco Lindor here about, a couple, about an hour and a half ago uh, as we record this podcast. And uh, just the, the general feeling from Frankie, I think, was that he realizes the position that he's in right now, and he's, he's not really shying away from it. Uh, he knows that last night could have likely been his last game in an Indian's uniform. Yeah, and you know, he said that was on his mind. Um, you know, he he had thought about it, and he said, "I keep thinking about it because you guys keep reminding me of it <laughs> to other reporters." But uh, yeah, I think, and you know, I think he knows where he's at. He thinks uh, it's interesting. The the owners are all talking about how much money they lost in the pandemic, and Frankie, you know, had some had some figures right off right off the tip of his tongue, saying, "You know, these guys are still making money. The Indians are a team that." Is worth a billion dollars, you know. Yeah, I don't market. know where he got. I don't know where he got that. That was from. Forbes. That was Forbes. Forbes said the Indians are worth a billion dollars, huh? One point five. Wow. And and um, so he says there's money if they want to sign me. So it was interesting. All right. Well, uh, you know, in the next couple of days here, we're going to take some time and, and reset and sort of start rolling out some some looks at, and some projections on, you know, what this offseason could look like, uh, who the big players could be, uh, where the potential trades could wind up being uh, once that becomes a possibility, uh, all while trying to follow the, uh, the remainder of this wild and crazy uh, Major League Baseball postseason. Uh, it was, uh, 
it, it was definitely an interesting season, Oisey. Uh, it was. <laughs> You're not kidding, Joe. I mean, they called it a 60-game sprint. This thing, this thing felt like, uh, like uh, 400 games, didn't it? I, to me, it did. I mean, it was the, crazy. The spring, yeah, the spring training, then the second spring training, the three months off. It just, it just seemed to go on and on and on, and and then it's over. Like Terry Francona says, you don't, you don't ease into the off season. You just crash into it like, like a car crashing into a wall, and and that's exactly where where, where we are right now. It just, it took forever, and now it's over. You know, it, there's over. no in between. You don't pump the brakes on this thing. All right. Well, we will continue to get updates and, and share them with you uh, as we move forward. Uh, one more Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast uh, remaining this week, and then we will update you guys on what our schedule will be uh, moving forward throughout the offseason here uh, on the podcast. Uh, good to talk to you again, Hoinsey, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you again tomorrow. All right, Joe.